Good morning, church. Great to see you all. Welcome to Union Chapel this morning. This is Palm Sunday. This uh, is the celebration of the last week of Jesus' life on the earth. And so, as Pastor Glenn just mentioned, I hope you'll take advantage of Good Friday. That starts at 11 in the morning, auditorium, every hour, a nice uh, walking through the stations of the cross and finish with communion. I know that'll be meaningful to many of you. I hope you'll take advantage. And of course, a week from this weekend is Easter Sunday. We've added a couple of services on Saturday. You may be thinking, who's coming on Saturday? I'll tell you who's coming. Anyone who wants a a wonderful, warm, freshly made Chick-fil-A sandwich right after the service on Saturday. Because <laughs> we're giving away sandwiches freshly made at, right after the 3.30 and 5.30 services on Saturday. I'm, See? <laughs> Bring your friends. We've got sandwich. We got hundreds of sandwiches coming. Hundred, lots of sandwiches. There'll be more sandwiches, probably than people. So, you, if you'll come on Saturday, what about if we come on Sunday? I'm sorry, as you know, Chick Fil A is not open on Sunday. <laughs> Nothing you can do about it. But on Saturday, you can get the Lord's chicken right here. It's going to be fantastic. So come on Saturday. It'll be wonderful. Can you imagine? I mean, you'll be able to smell it all the way through the service. It'll be, it'll be great. So you want to be there. Thanks for, uh, thanks for bringing your Bibles if you have those today. I want to talk a little bit more about worship. Last week, we considered the definition of worship, which is to experience God, serve God with praise, allow him to meet our needs with his sufficiency and power. To encounter God is what worship is about. God wants a close, warm, fulfilling intimacy with us, and we engage that in worship. Today, I want to just look at what the Bible has to say about how you practice that. I mean, what are the, what are the parts of our lives that we engage in worship so that we'll know not just what it is, but how to do it. And I hope that'll be meaningful to you. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the 150th Psalm, Psalm 150. And this is the last Psalm, as many of you know. And it's a Psalm of worship and praise. Our custom is to stand to hear God's word. So thanks for doing that as you're able. And the psalmist writes, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the string and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Now with me, praise the Lord one more time. Praise the Lord again. Praise the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Thanks so much. Good practice. We've noted that how to receive personal renewal, the qualifier for personal renewal, revival, is humility and brokenness. To acknowledge, Lord, I need, I need your life in me. I need your touch on my life. I need your grace sufficient for this part of my life. So humility and brokenness is the qualifier, the condition for receiving personal renewal. Last week, we also understood the qualifier for authentic worship, which is 
Sacrifice. We bring the sacrifice of praise. Sacrifice implies that I'm bringing my life. A sacrifice implies that something's got to die. Something has to be given. And the way you present yourself as a worshiper of God is by giving your whole self, your whole life, to God. It's a, it's a high bar, isn't it? But that's the bar. That's the requirement for authentic worship. So when I say your whole self, let me just get into that. It's on your outline. If, if you have your app open, you can see it there. The first thing we think about is a regenerated spirit. Romans 1.9 says, For God whom I serve in my spirit, the Apostle Paul writing this, in other words, with my whole heart, the God I serve with my whole heart in the preaching of the gospel. So there is all of us being presented, and it implies the spiritual part of us. So we can worship in spirit. John 4 says, God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So worship is actually the spiritual part of us connecting with God, who is a spirit. It's spirit to spirit. Very important. Philippians 3 says, for we are the true circumcision who worship in the spirit of God and the glory of Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. And so we see the spiritual nature of it. We are all spiritual beings. God has put eternity in our heart. We have an intuition for this. We have an instinct for it. And so God wants to connect spirit to spirit. So it's regenerated spirit. It also implies that we sing spiritual songs. You may not know this, but 85 times in the Bible, we are exhorted to sing. 85 times. So singing is a big deal. It's why it's central to worship services because worship tends to to connect us with the, our spiritual person, and it helps us to engage God at a spiritual level. A level. Colossians chapter three verse sixteen: Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom and teaching, admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, giving thanksgiving in our hearts. So, so we have this admonition to sing as unto God, eighty-five times in the Scripture, and. There are qualifiers there like sing joyfully, sing with thanksgiving, sing with your whole heart. Not once does it say sing on tune. Now I'm going to encourage folks who can't sing. Can I get a witness? There are people, let me tell you a story. <laughs> this comes from a few years ago. This was Easter Sunday in my home church in Boswell, Indiana, a little Methodist church. If we had a hundred people in church, that was a big Sunday. And our town only had 1,000 people. So let's just say it out loud. Our expectations were pretty low. We were at our home, and my future brother-in-law, who married my oldest, oldest sister, Christy, his sister was, played the piano. And he had been asked by our loving, gracious, godly pastor, Irvin King, uh, a, a lovely spirit. He's in heaven today. He's just, he just a warm presence. He's a really good guy. We, we really loved him. They, he officiated uh, our wedding, Beth and, Beth and my wedding. So, lovely person. Well, his son, the pastor's son, had come all the way from California, and he was going to sing a solo on Easter Sunday, special music. And my future brother-in-law's sister had gone to practice on a Saturday to practice the solo. She was going to play and accompany him on, on the piano. 
So she came to our house, just happened to come to our house after the practice, and we said, oh, how'd the practice go? And she, she went, well, uh, okay, I guess. What do you mean? My mother kind of pressed her. <laughs> what's the, what's the, is there a problem? <laughs> oh, well, no. No, there's no problem. I, I, it'll be fine, I, I think. And she, she just <laughs> was trying to be gracious. Well, the next day, on Easter Sunday, the, the church filled up. It was Easter, and uh, there were a bunch of teenagers. I was among them, and we decided that the, the best way to encourage the pastor on Sunday morning was to sit right in the front. And so we had a, a group of kids who had come to faith. We were excited about Jesus. We were part of the Jesus Revolution, you know, that movie thing. We were part of that whole thing back in the 70s. And so the first few rows of the pews we're packed with teenagers every week, and we did that on Easter Sunday as well. I was sitting on the second row of the pews. I was sitting right on the end, and Beth was sitting next to me, and, you know, some other family members and friends were in the whole section. And right on the front row of the, the first pew were our, our teenage youth leaders. This was Gary and Mert Gowen, and they're two small children. They had two daughters, and one was about two and a half, the other was three and a half, something like that. And they were just kind of standing, you know, in the pew, you know, their little dresses on. It's Easter Sunday. And the church filled up, and so we had to have extra seats. So they bring out the folding, metal folding chairs and set those in the aisle next to the pews. And right next to me came a person uh, and sat down in the folding chair, and it was Agnes Cooper. Agnes was our high school English teacher. You can't make this stuff up. And another feature of our pastor is back in the day when men couldn't grow hair on the top of their head, they would grow a bunch of hair on the side of one side of their head, and then they'd just flip it over the top. It's called a comb over. You don't see that too often anymore, thank God. But our, our good pastor, Irvin King, he had, a, he had a big comb over. I mean, his part was just above the top of his ear, and it went on over. And his son set a new comb-over record with his hairstyle because it was the biggest comb-over I've ever seen in my life. And God bless them. You know, these are good guys. And I'm only making fun because it's really funny. <laughs> and so the song, the solo begins. Now, you know, God listens to everything I say. I have to give an account someday for everything I've said, my wife reminds me of this <laughs> from time to time. Before God, he didn't hit a note. Not one. Not even close. So you, could, you could see our friend, the pianist, trying to go, Am I, maybe I'm missing the notes. I'm, she's just trying to follow him, trying to find it. It was horrible. And this thing had four verses. And the first verse was over, and you know, it's, it's painful. It's hard, hard to listen to it. And the chorus of this song that they had selected, I, of which I don't remember, had this, this growing, growing lofty moment until it crescendoed at the very end. God is listening to me. He gets to the, the crescendo on the chorus of the first verse, he threw his head back. His, his comb over actually started <laughs> fluttering slightly. His eyes rolled into the back of his head. So you, all you could see were the whites of his eyes. And then he bellowed like a moose. 
it was it was that's not far off right there it was hilarious but I got Agnes Cooper I've got someone's got to be the grown-up in the room it's even as a teenager I assumed the role and so and I could feel the I could feel the pews just vibrating a little bit. And I thought, okay, okay, that was funny. For sure, that's, that's really funny. But we're, we'll get through this. It'll be okay. Second verse comes along, and here he goes again. Oh, boy, I mean, it's like he's on a runway. He's going to take off, you know, with flaps and everything. It's, it's, he hits the crescendo on the second verse. Now, now it's getting a little more difficult not to, not to laugh. And so now the pew is starting to bounce just a little bit because people are, people are trying to, because, you know, it's embarrassing. You don't want to laugh out loud. It's, you know, it's embarrassing. It embarrass the pastor and his son. He's come all the way from California. Oh, my God. The third verse comes, and he hits a crescendo. I mean, I don't know how you get your eyes to roll back that far. It, And now, now you're hearing, hearing noises. The, the pew is kind of, you know, going like this. And I look and Beth, Beth has got her head down. She's trying not to laugh out loud. I, Agnes Cooper now is going, giving it this. Her arms are folded. Those kids. How disrespectful. I'm in the middle of it. I turned to Beth and I said to her, I'm sorry, but this, this is just the way it, it happened. I turned to her and I said, would you shut up and grow up? Just like that. So she, she's literally, she's laughing like this. And then I say that to her and she just goes, <laughs> she starts crying. I mean, the next second. <laughs> so this isn't going to end well. I can feel my, my mother's eyes burning a hole in the back of my head because she's sitting in the back. His, oh, God, and Lord, there's one more verse. And boy, did he go for it on the last verse. Oh, my gosh. Well, our, our youth leader's two daughters, little daughters, are standing in the pew right in front of us. And so he hits the crescendo on the fourth, fourth verse. And, and, and so the, 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 little, the littlest one turns and goes like this. <laughs> just like that. And we lost it. I mean, we just, everybody just exploded in laughter. It was really funny. And there was nowhere to go. You just had to laugh. It was hilarious. You know, sometimes the funniest things happen in church. And that was one of those deals. So it's not about, it's not about, it's not about on tune. It's about joyful. It's about thankful. It's, a, it's about it's about feeling it. It's about your whole heart. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's about your, your whole spirit. Giving God what he deserves. Find, you find out what God is worth and give him what he's worth. Just give him everything you got. And that will work out somehow. All these years later. It may be funny. But as long as it's sincere. 
That's what matters. Isn't that, isn't that good preaching? So, you, so everyone be encouraged about that. So you can give thanks by your spirit. Ephesians 5, and do not get drunk with wine. That's a waste, but be filled with the spirit. In the next verse, with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, 120 men and women. I mean, they, they're, they're spiritually energized. They bounce out on the street proclaiming the great things of God. People thought they were drunk. This is, this is powerful stuff. Uh, we have a family in the church called the Bramers, and they've been in the church for, for a long, long time. And mom and dad are still in the church here. They had two sons who've grown up and moved on. Josh, their youngest son, very smart, very perceptive young guy, he came to a meaningful faith uh, in our 180 youth program years ago and actually served on our staff for a couple of years. And we had an all-staff meeting one day, and, and just to stimulate conversation in the all-staff, I asked everyone a question. I said, other than salvation, share with everyone a defining spiritual moment or experience that really marked your life. And so we were going around the room answering that question. It's a good question, isn't it? And when we got to Josh, Josh simply said, and I quote, he said, a moment in my life that changed me forever was a moment when I was with some of my peers, and it implied when he was a teenager, when I first saw a group of my peers worshiping God from their hearts. It's interesting, isn't it? You know, I guess it matters. I guess it matters like on a Sunday, Sunday morning when you're getting ready for church. I guess it matters about the attitude that you have and the expectation you have and the desire you have when you come into, into a worship space and worship God in a corporate setting. Not only does it matter to you and matter to God, but apparently it can matter to the people around you. That if you're worshiping in a sincere way from your heart, that it can actually mark the people close by. That's fascinating, isn't it? And so God uses worship in the spirit in all kinds of ways. Here's a second part of us that's involved, and that's with a renewed mind. All you thinkers out there, this is for you. Philippians 2, do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than the other. Let me uh, use a different phrase for humility of mind and worship, and that is your willingness to let the person next to you worship the way they need to. Everyone comes in with a different story. Some people are on on top of it, and they're excited, and they're joyful, and they're thankful, and they want to express praise to God. Other folks are struggling, and they come in, and there's confusion, and there's pain, or there's grief, and you, you you wonder if you're going to be able to make it, and I just need to get quiet. I need to be in God's presence and just get quiet and let him minister to me somehow. And so it's your willingness to let people worship the way they need to. We instruct our worship leaders and have for years by saying, listen, encourage people to worship, but we don't mandate how they should worship. So so you won't ever, rarely hear anyone say, okay, everyone lift your hands or everyone let's lift our voices or or everyone, let's dance. Or, okay, on the course of this, we're all going to pogo in place. <laughs> I mean, you don't get that. Because there is no general expression that applies to everyone all the time. And so you allow people to worship the way they need to. If someone needs to stand on their chairs and shout, well, let them. 
If they, if they need to sit quietly with their hands folded and their heads bowed, that's good too. Humility of mind. So here's some examples. Worship with intelligent obedience, Romans 12.1. I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies. Again, this is your sacrifice. Present your bodies as a living expression of worship, your reasonable form of worship, thoughtful kind of worship. 2 Corinthians 10, we're destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. We're bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And so we discipline our minds. We manage our thoughts. We filter our thoughts. We, we choose what to think about. I'm going to think about good and pure and lofty and gracious things in the context of worship. Listen to this statement. I think that it's very possible that a sanctified imagination is one of the most underutilized benefits in the life of the church. When you, when you hear the term, imagine, use your imagination, somebody may encourage you to do. Use your imagination. Well, oftentimes, imagination for us has a negative connotation. You know, we kind of think something bad, you hear something bad, and then your imagination takes it to a really, really bad place. You know, it's dark, and it gets darker. It's sinful, and it gets, whoa, you know, really extreme. And so, boy, I hate to let my imagination run wild. (laughs) It takes me to bad places. Wait a minute. What about a sanctified imagination? What about submitting your... Your, your thinking and your creativity and the way your brain works and allow the Spirit of God to energize your thoughts and start to imagine ways to offer Christ to people or to care for people or to make Jesus more known to people with the, with the capacity that God has given us just to think and to dream and to create and to imagine. What about a sanctified imagination? When I announced that we're going to serve Chick-fil-A sandwiches after Saturday Easter service, a bunch of you went, that's terrible. I know what you're thinking. Whose idea was that? <laughs> Just blame me while I eat your sandwich on Saturday. <laughs> Let me tell you what that is. That's a sanctified imagination. That's just, that's just creative. Okay, how do we get people to come to Saturday service on Easter weekend? The Lord's chicken. How, I mean, how easy is that? Year, years ago, we were trying to reach teenagers for Christ, and we found, we found a church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, that was reaching kids, teenagers, effectively, and so we just did it here. We customized it. We used our imagination. We, this building that we're in right now was built originally just for our youth group. This is a 40,000-square-foot building and we built it originally exclusively just to accommodate the youth program. In, in 10 years, because we used a sanctified imagination to do it, in 10 years we had over 100,000 kids attend the program, and we baptized 1,200 teenagers. That's an amazing thing. We, w- we went to Central Asia almost 30 years ago now, took our own people there, we, have, we had about 20 of our own parishioners who lived there for years, and, and over 400 of us actually traveled to, to this nation in Central Asia over the years. And when we first went there, there were no believers there. But now there are believers, in, indigenous believers there, some of whom we led to Jesus all those years ago, who are now leading our teams in that country. 
and, ha- and house churches are being planted r- right across the whole nation there in Central Asia because somebody had a sanctified imagination about that. Hey, listen, what could, what could we do? What, what might we imagine? God, how, what, what assets do we have here that could make a difference there? The reason I'm talking about this is I want you to be stirred in the way that you use your mind. Worship God in a thoughtful way and imagine what he might do through your life to make a difference in the life of others. I'm inspiring myself. I'm thinking, I got to get busy and start imagining more stuff. This is something. So, so with our renewed mind, we can pray with understanding, 1 Corinthians 14. We can praise with our understanding, Psalm, 1, Psalm 47. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises, for God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with a skillful psalm. Maybe you're a songwriter. Maybe you're, maybe you're a poet. Maybe you're an author of some, some kind. Pray, God, sanctify my imagination so I can dream big dreams for you and write lofty thoughts for Jesus' sake. Amazing. Amazing. So with a renewed mind, here's a third part of us that we can engage in worship in a practical way, and that is with revived emotions. Colossians 3 says, whatever you do, do it heartily as for the Lord. In other words, with all of your heart, with all of your soul. Romans 12 again, be devoted to one another, not lagging behind, caring for one another. All the way to the end of that that. Uh, verse 15, which says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Can you feel that? That's an expression of worship. So our revived emotions, for example, we can shout and clap our hands. Psalm 47, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Uh, The word peoples there is better translated nations. Clap your hands, all you nations. John Piper said in his book, Let the Nations Be Glad, a simple statement. He said, missions exist because worship doesn't. What God wants in the whole world among every people and language and tribe and nation are worshipers. Several years ago, before we got clear instructions about where we should go in the world among an unreached people group, to try to influence them for Jesus' sake. I had a missionary in my office. Some of you have heard me tell this story. A missionary in my office, she was a missionary in France. I didn't really know her that well. She was a family or friend of someone in the church, and so we gave her a few dollars every year to help her do her work in France. Okay, she's home on furlough, and this is what you do. You come and visit the churches that support you, and she was sitting in my office. We are having casual conversation. It was, the fir- I think, the first time I'd ever met her. And so there she is, and we're just getting acquainted, and suddenly she got this funny look on her face, and I asked her if she was okay, because I thought she was getting ill, and she said, no, I'm okay, and I said, well, what's happening to you? And she said, I'm having a vision. I'm seeing a vision, she said, in my office, and apparently the wall behind me dissipated in her her view, and she began to see this, this big open space. In nature, this open plain with, with these snow-capped mountains in the distance, in the background. 
And then this, this big open space began to fill with people. Hundreds, then thousands of people, thousands of people. She's describing them. I turn around, all I can see is the wall. But I look at her and she's seeing this vista of something else. It was fascinating. And I said, well, describe these people. And she said, well, I've never seen people like this before. They, they have round faces. They have oriental features. They have oval eyes. But she said, their skin is brown. I said, who are they? She said, I have no idea. She said, I've never seen people like this before. And then I asked this question, what are they doing? And she said, they're worshiping. She said, they all have their faces upturned and they all have their hands raised and their their mouths are singing the praises of God. Thousands of them worshiping. And after a few minutes, this this vision dissipated and she, and she you know had to compose herself i mean she was really overcome by this experience she told me later she'd never had an experience like it before not in her life after she composed herself you know i've kind of taken notes and i looked at her and i said what does it mean she said i have no idea But these are the people, the very people that God directed us to some years later and said, go there, adopt this unreached people group and offer Christ. This is the same place now where thousands of these indigenous people are worshiping Jesus Christ. Wonderful, wonderful. It's a wonder. It's amazing what God has done. And so we can shout, we can clap our hands, we can praise him aloud, Psalm 47. We can rejoice with expressing thanksgiving. Psalm 100, shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. Mm -hmm. We can be silent before the Lord. You know, not all emotion is loud. Sometimes it's completely quiet. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 20, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. I'm convinced in the eternal kingdom, there will be moments when there is, it's completely quiet. Not a sound in the, in the whole kingdom. There will be moments when all we do is contemplate the greatness and the grandness of God. To try to understand, comprehend, even in the eternal kingdom, the height and depth and breadth and length of the wonder, the glory of God. We have to get quiet for that. But all of it is a willingness to share our emotion with God in authentic worship. Isn't this good? Now, here's the last thing I want to say. You can do it with a rededicated body. Can you use your body? 1 Corinthians 6, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? So glorify God in your body. The Holy Spirit lives in us. Our, Our bodies have become like a temple, a dwelling place of God. God's presence is in us. When you say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. And so your body, don't you realize your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Paul writes, 
So what can we do? We can kneel in worship, Philippians 2. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and tongue confess. That's why we have kneeling rails here at the front. You can come and kneel before God. This is an appropriate posture of worship using your body. You can bow your heads. Micah chapter 6, with what shall I come to the Lord and bow myself before God on high? And so the invitation is to lower ourselves, to submit ourselves, to bow our heads, to bow our bodies before him. You can, raise, you can lift up your heads. Psalm 3, but thou, O Lord, art a shield about me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. Have you ever, have you ever been down for a long, long time and, and it even changes your body language and, and, and somehow God, by his grace, like he takes his divine finger and just lifts your chin? Suddenly you're looking up again. There's hope. He's the glory and the lifter of my head. Isn't that beautiful? So good. You can lift your hands before God. Lamentations 3, let us examine, probe our ways, let us return to the Lord. We lift up our heart and we lift up our hands toward heaven. And that's what we do when we lift our hands, isn't it? Or is it just an expression of our hearts? We just lift, we just lift our hands before you, lift our hearts before you, God. It's a, it's a good thing to do. Psalm 63, because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise thee, so I will bless thee as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. Beautiful. You can wave your hands. In Leviticus 9, we see Aaron, who's the brother of Moses. He's, he's brought an ox and a ram for the sacrifice, and so these animals have been, have been butchered. And the Bible says there, but the breasts and the right thigh Aaron presented as a wave offering. So he takes parts of these animals and he just waves them before God. Here's the sacrifice for you. And so we wave our hands. It's a wave offering. And then another expression with your body is to dance. Dance with joy before the Lord. Psalm 149, let them praise his name with dancing. That's okay, remain seated for now. Psalm 150, from our text, praise him with timbrel and dancing. Psalm 30, you turn my grief and wailing into dancing. I've been challenged a few times over the years. Pastor, we've seen you kneel and bow your head and raise your head and lift your hands and wave your hands and clap your hands, but we've never seen you dance. Why don't you dance? My excuse is I have the dance in my heart. It just won't get in my feet. I'm not... I'm not sure what it means. I fully expect that in the eternal kingdom, dancing will come almost natural to me, but not now. (laughs) I can't explain it. But some of you love to dance. You love that stuff, and good for you. Some of you do it in beautifully expressive ways, and it's honorable to God. So, with our spirit, with our mind, with our emotion, with our body, are you getting it? With our whole person, to serve God with praise and allow him to meet our needs with his sufficiency. So not only do we know what worship is, now we know how to express it with all of our life. Did you get it? I believe you did. Let's pray. Lord, thank you this morning for these instructions, for this permission, for this encouragement to engage our whole lives in a sacrificial way as we worship you. Lord, we want to know what you're worth and give you what you're worth. We want to know you 
and experience you. And by your grace, Lord, help us to worship you in spirit and in truth. That's our prayer today. Thanks for hearing us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Would you stand with us?